Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I wonder if anybody can tell me which is the real McCoy and which is the imposter in these two vases in terms of value. Because one is crystal and the other is plain glass. I had to ask my wife which one was the one of value because, she, first of all, she'd never seen a dish, never seen a dish she, she didn't like. Yeah. Consequently, she's pretty knowledgeable about these things. She said, uh, you see the way the light refracts off of this one that it doesn't off of this one? You feel that this one's about four times as heavy as this one is? This one's a real deal. But I didn't know what to look for, so I didn't know which was which. If we know what to look for, we can see the imposters from the real McCoys. If we know what to do about that, that's something altogether different. Turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look today at uh, both of these positions, the imposters and and the real McCoy, but the the real McCoy through the lens of the imposters. I want us to see here these woes uh, that are coming our way. Verse 17 of chapter 6 of Luke says, He went down with them and stood on the level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets." But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that's how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So let's look at these, these woes, these four woes, in light of the context and contrast between these four blessings of Real McCoy's. First thing is this, is the imposters are seeking their own comfort. They're seeking their own comfort. Look at verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. You've already received your comfort. First thing, I think it's important to understand that the phrase that day in verse 23, um, I believe he's referring to as the day just before his return and consequently, I believe we're living in that day today. We're living in the day just before his, turn, his, his return. I believe that's soon. And these last days, or last days of opportunity, are the days we're living in now. And he's saying here that the rich are rich, not so they can be generous to those in need, but because they're seeking their own comfort. They're seeking their own comfort. Can we be honest? Each of us are seeking our own comfort. 
rich or not. We're seeking the most comfortable place we can find for ourselves um, because here's the reality is most all of us have more than we need. Basically, in our, in our culture, in our day and time, a person needs food, clothing, shelter, and a, a basic need certainly in the South is transportation. Most of us have more food than we know what to do with. In fact, there's food going bad in our refrigerator because it's been there for months. Most of us have more clothes than we need. Uh, there's clothes in the back of the closet that's... I'm going to get back into those pants one of these days. Most of us have more shelter than we need. I've seen shelter, and I've seen how the rest of us live. And the rest of us, how most of us live is not really shelter. It's opulence compared to what real shelter is. Um, so most of us have more than, than what we need in, in all those basic areas. Uh, and beyond those things, we are seeking our own comfort. There's nothing evil or wrong or, or, or sinful about that, but hear the rest of this context of what I'm saying. It's, it's the fact that most of us have more than what we need now. Contrast this with verse 20. Look at verse 20 again. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is the kingdom of God. Not just woe to the rich, but blessed, blessed to the poor. Uh, your riches, your wealth, your comfort, he, he says, is found in the kingdom of which says two things about this, this text. One is this, is, is that our, our blessings are abundant in nature. Uh, he's saying yours is the kingdom, or in essence, the kingdom belongs to you. You have the run of the kingdom. Everything that's in the kingdom is yours. So it's abundant. Second thing about this blessing is it's permanent. because it is, it is not of this world. Second Peter 3.10 and Revelation 20 speaks to the fact that everything here seats we're sitting in, the building we're in, clothes on your back, everything here is going to burn up one of these days and, and, and be consumed by fire, just destroyed by fire. So in essence, woe to us if we're seeking our own comfort rather than in, in this place, rather than in the next place, in the next life, in the next world. Imposters are seeking their own comfort. Secondly, the imposters are hungry and unsatisfied. They're hungry and unsatisfied. Verse 25 says, Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who are well fed, for you will go hungry. The idea behind this phrase, well fed now, is a, the idea of gorging, more or less. Uh, the idea of gluttony, uh, if, if you will, with far more than we need to have and need to possess. Uh, I gained about five, I've gained about five pounds since vacation a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I gained five pounds on vacation a couple of weeks ago. In large part because at our annual vacation trips with our family, my wife makes the vacation cookies. And I think about the only time she makes the cookies, other than maybe one other time of year, is vacation. And it's not just six or eight. It's three or four dozen. So, and this year she made three or four dozen of the regular ones that are oatmeal, chocolate chip, some, some other such, and godliness. And, and she made some this year that were chocolate chip and coconut and uh, Eagle brand milk and other godly things in them too. Um, and so we had these three or four dozen regular vacation cookies and probably two more dozen of, of the special ones. And so, you know, it's my goal for us to come back off vacation with no cookies. I mean, that's the basic goal, so... Um, and, and I think we were pretty close to being there. But 
those those the extra five pounds was was from those cookies, I'm sure. And I, I didn't need a single cookie. In fact, we take we, we we drive down there with the cookies within fairly close reach because if, if we're if we're on the road, we will reach back in the grab seat in the back seat and, and, and grab one on the way. So a few may have been eaten before we actually got to vacation. I'm 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 no witness to that, but anyway. Um, but he says, you, 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 you're well fed now, you, you go hungry. Um, meaning that that kind of behavior here and our seeking our own, the, the solution of our, hunger, our own hunger here is always going to be temporary and a cheap substitute for lasting satisfaction. Uh, it's, it's a reminder that this, this life, this place, and all that it offers is never going to satisfy. It'll never satisfy. Now contrast that with verse 21. It says in verse 21, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. The hunger for the things we can and do actually, that can actually satisfy is not fulfilled in a product, in a place, but rather in a person. And that person is Jesus. Uh, so how do we move from imposter to the real McCoy? And when it comes to things we, we're hungry for, let me give us two suggestions. One is this. Simplify. All of us could simplify our lives. We, we, we have, uh, as I said, most of us have way more than we need. Our lives are way too complicated. They're way too cluttered with good and well-intended stuff, well-meaning stuff, but they're just cluttered with way too much things, way too much stuff, way too much uh, things that are on our schedule that are of little importance, comparatively speaking, with eternity. Is simplify. The second suggestion is this. We talked about this last week a little bit. Is to self-govern. We talked last week about how uh, we should put a governor on ourselves so that our freedom in Christ doesn't cause us to step into the flesh and what we desire in the flesh. And this idea of self-governing should, should force us to ask the question, what do I really want versus what do I really need? And how do I, how do I distinguish between those two different things? Then beyond that, how much of my time, how much of my day is spent on things that the results of which are going to burn up? How much of my time and energy each day is spent on things that are going to burn up versus the eternal things, the things that are going to last, things that are going to outlive me and all of us? Imposters are hungry and unsatisfied. Thirdly, imposters are not only seeking their own comfort and, and are hungry and unsatisfied, but thirdly, the imposters are masking their sadness. They're masking their sadness. Look at the last part of verse 25. It says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you who laugh, for you will mourn and weep. Ever thought about what brings you real joy? What brings you real joy? It's different for some. It may be for you um, the purchase of something. It may be an experience. It may be an event. Maybe a, a task or a job. Maybe vacation brings you joy. Or maybe you're, 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 you're of a different ilk and conversation brings you joy with the people that you love. Or your kids bring you joy. Your grandkids bring you joy. There's nothing wrong with any of those things bringing us joy, but here's the thing. First Peter 1, 8 and 9 says where real joy is to be found. It says this, though you have seen him, or though you have not seen him, sorry, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled, watch this, with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. He's saying when you consider the salvation of your souls, it should bring to you inexpressible, glorious joy. He should be our, as our Savior, the source of our joy. Impostors have invested all their joy in the here and now, and for the most part in things that are going to burn up. Now contrast that with the second part of verse 21 here. It says, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Seeing here that our weeping, our sadness, will be turned in, into laughter. Jeremiah 31, verses 12 and 13 says this. They'll come and shout for joy in the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like well, a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then maidens will dance and be glad, and young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Um, so it's woe to the one who laughs now and blessing to the one who laughs later. As I said, it doesn't mean to laugh now and, and have joy and encouragement and comfort in our family and friends is anything wrong. What does that mean by comparison to what we experience as the joy here? And that compares to sadness on the other side. He's saying here that what you experience here is joy by comparison would be sadness on the other side. Now, when you get your mind around that concept that our, own, our, our, our human, our, our, our carnal joy uh, in, in, in great things, in family and friends, in, in a satisfied vocation, whatever it is, that the things that bring us joy now by comparison look like sadness compared to the joy on the other side. Now, if you can get your mind around that, you'll start to see how to reprioritize the way we think and the things that bring us joy. Uh, and good luck if you can, because I can't get my mind around that myself. But uh, the imposters are masking their joy. Fourthly, are masking their sadness. Rather, fourthly, the imposters are fooling the masses. They're fooling the masses. Look at verse 26. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Now, on the surface, this looks like a... a uh, admirable quality, right? We want to be thought well of and spoken well of, and it is on the surface. But with the added reference here to the false prophets, he's saying that the joy that people think they see in you, the, the well-doing that they think they see in you, is really false because you, you, you have them fooled. You have the masses fooled. Uh, it helps us understand these favorable impressions that people have are indeed false and that imposters are good at fooling the masses. In reality, the, the deeper you dive into anyone's life, the more disappointed you're going to come away. The deeper look you have, it doesn't matter anyone how deeply you admire them, the deeper you look into their life, you're, you're going to eventually find some, something there that's, that's disappointing to you. Why? Because we're all human. We're all in various stages of brokenness. Uh, redeemed brokenness, but still brokenness. Because this world is a broken place and we're broken to be a part of it. The next one is not, and we'll be whole and complete as a part of it. Now, let's contrast this woe for the blessing in verse 22. It says, blessed are you when people hate you. That's great news, right? When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. 
Sounds a lot like the cancel culture we find ourselves living in today, doesn't it? Uh, hatred, exclusion, insult, rejection. Uh, it's, it's it, as I say, very much resembles our own culture. Why is that the case? It's the case because you are linked to the Son of Man. The linkage you have to Jesus is what separates and divides you from our culture. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our uh, wrap-up of series in the name of Jesus, how God even and Father <clears throat> oftentimes are tolerated phrases in our culture, but you mentioned the name of Jesus in the marketplace. It's going to start to be a divide. It's going to start to be some, some ill will, some, some concern over, over your, your freak, more or less, in our culture. If you link yourself with the Son of Man, with Jesus, and it's, uh, that's how our culture sees that. James 1.20, uh, verses 2 to 4, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. He's saying there that our, our, our joy and, and our, our completeness, our fullness, are in walking through a hard place, in walking through a difficult place, in, in persevering those places. Uh, and, and as such, because we live in a culture that's broken and are called to be a part of one that's not. Well, here are these four woes. These four woes are presented and packaged in the times and the days that you and I find ourselves living in today. We're living in those days when these woes make sense, when these woes are lived out and seen and noticed and uh, almost jump off the page to us. So the question is this, is any of that sticking to you and I, either as blessed people or as imposters? Is any of that sticking to you and I? Do we find ourselves looking like some of, the, some of these phrases, either as real McCoy or as an imposter? And you can take that in, in a couple of senses. Imposter in the sense that you are a Christ follower, but you never deepened your faith, you never matured. You're trying to walk and do all the right things and say all the right things and have the world around you fooled into thinking, man, that person's got an intimate walk with Christ, when in reality you're about this deep. Or are you an imposter because you never met him as your Savior? You don't know him as your Lord, never invited him into your heart, give your heart and life to him. Is any of that sticking to us? Well, if you're the real deal, if you belong to him and you know it, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to stay focused to don't get discouraged, and to see that the blessed are yous that he talked about here, they're coming. We may experience some of those blessings here. We'll definitely experience, uh, experience all of those blessings there on the other side. Those blessings are coming, even though you can't see them today. For the imposters, I would give you this, this counsel, to either turn and repent and refocus, or come to know Christ as your Savior today. Uh -huh. You're, you are an imposter for a reason. It's because you're choosing to listen to the enemy, if, if you're a follower of Jesus or not, and because you have chosen to live a life that's fake as opposed to one that's real, a life that looks like the real thing. But comparatively speaking, is nothing like the real thing. It's a little hard for me to pick this thing up and hold it in a, in a, in a weaker hand than a stronger hand. But it makes sense to me what she told, when she told me what to look for 
when looking for the crystal versus the glass. And on the surface, those things are kind of hard to see. You got to get beyond the surface and dig a little deeper, understand more about them to figure out which is which. Um, so if you're an imposter because you don't know Christ, come to know him today. Please don't leave this place without him. If you're an imposter because you do and you think, you know, as long as I fool everybody else and heaven is my ticket, who's harmed? Well, you are, for one. And your influence and your witness are for another. So I encourage you today to, to move beyond the, the imposter and experience the blessing of, of, of ours as being the real deal. You know, last week I, I, I shared to you that woes and warnings are similar, but the woes were a little different. Woes are a warning with a consequence attached. A warning with a consequence attached. Warnings are just warnings simply on, on their face, on the surface. And I also told you last week that woes and warnings are like the guardrails in life. They keep us from getting off the path, keep us from getting off the road, keep us from going the wrong way, making the wrong turn, heading in the wrong direction. And we think we want to get beyond the guardrails. Most of us do. I do. I'm a rule breaker. I, I'm a rebel at heart. I've always, always have been. I've been pretty compliant. Never got in trouble at school, but I didn't like walking the straight and narrow. I never have. And I, everything in me wants to get beyond the guardrails. Well, I'll tell you, I've been beyond the guardrails a few times. And I've discovered the guardrails are for my good. The guardrails are to keep me in, 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 on, on a path, and on a way, and on a road that is best for me and honestly brings the most glory to him. So you'll learn to see woes not in, in the fact that God's about to get you, that he wants to pull you up and slap you around. That's not what it's about at all. These woes and warnings are to keep you and I on the road to godliness. Keep you and I because the road to godliness brings him glory and brings me, as we saw, blessing. If I get off the rails and get beyond the guardrails, woe is coming. And... Uh, Sometimes it's the woe of slow down, but uh, woe is coming. So as we continue in, in these studies over these next few weeks, I want you to see um, that it is all these things are for our good. Therefore, God's correction in our life to, to, to make us more, conform us more to his image and to his likeness. Let's pray. Father, today, um, these things are hard to read. Some Some scripture is hard to read and Today is as well, because if we're, if we're faking our way through life and walking our way through life just to, to make others think we're okay and life is, is grand for us when it's really not, when it's, when it's really, we're just as broken as everyone else is, we experience in our private moments our own brokenness and our own inability to do anything about them. So would you help us to look at these, this kind of text today and be honest, first of all, with ourselves and be honest with you, the fact that not only we may have others fooled, but we don't have you fooled because you know the real us. You know what makes us tick. You know what motivates our heart. You know our, our thought process and how we think, how we process things. You know whether we're looking through life through a lens of godliness or through a, God, a lens of flesh, uh, of the flesh. So today, would you stir in us the truth, whether it's hard to hear and hard to, hard to deal with or not, whether, the, whether or not we are an imposter or whether we're the real McCoy, whether we're the crystal or the ordinary glass. Help us to see, Father, the, the value of walking in honesty and walking in truth with you and with others because that place brings you glory 
that place brings us growth. And both of those things are, will matter for eternity. Much of what we do doesn't. Help us to hunger and thirst for spiritual things, for wise things, for godliness. Help us to look to you to see and seize the opportunities you place in front of us to make, that, are, that are for our good. That may see and seem on the surface hard initially, but once we step into them and find our way in them, you're using them to bring our own growth about and, and your own glory about. So we thank you today for those things, whether they're hard lessons or easy lessons, because we need to see them, hear them, learn them, and walk in them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.